There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 21st, 2010. For the newcomers out there, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com websites. I always advise newcomers to bookmark the other sites I have listed there for future use because sometimes the big ones go down. And if you've got the bookmarks there, you can pull up the latest shows and download them for free. And there's cuttingthroughthematrix.com there's .net.us, there's Alan Watt cutting through the matrix.ca, there's also cutting through.jenkness.com, and there's Alan Watt sentient, sentinel.eu. The Sentinel site is the European site, has all the same audios for download, but it has addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given over the years, and you can download them for prints up and choose from quite a few languages of Europe. And I always start off, too, with the tin can uh, moment because this is a time when I remind you that in this world where everything is free, we think, although a lot of people pay for podcasts and so on these days, this is all free to you, but it's only because so many of you uh, should be donating and only a few are donating. The few that are donating keep me going, so it's up to you to keep me going and help the other ones out because uh, times are hard all around for everyone as the inflation sets in. So it's up to you to keep me going. You can do so by buying the things I have for sale at cuttingsforthematrix.com. Go into the website and check it out yourself how to do so. There's personal checks from the U.S. to Canada. It's fine. Uh, international postal money orders from the post office in the U.S. to Canada is fine. That's the members of pink, orangey, communist one for international. The green one is for internal U.S. only. So don't walk away with that one and post it. Can't use it here. And you can use MoneyGram or Western Union. Same thing outside to the Americas, you can use MoneyGram, Western Union, PayPal as well for donations or ordering books or discs. Just send a separate email if you want to do that and I'll get them out to you. Some people just send cash as well. And that that's cuts out the podgy fingers of the, the banker who's, uh, I can't believe the bonuses are given themselves already after the last slaughtering of the public. But that's how things are in this uh, wonderful, fair world. And for those who get discs burned and passed to them, who don't use a computer but play them on their CD players, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P, as in Peter, the number 3, E, as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora and the number one P3E 
4N1. And I love reading old books. Old books are uh, astonishing the way they're written. Uh, often, too, lots of them are, have been used in universities down through the years. Still are a lot of them yet, the classics. Uh, but what's amazing is when you get the, the big players writing their own books uh, to warp your mind into thinking that uh, we progress along a certain path willy-nilly by forces that just come out of nowhere and the youth rebel and go in a certain direction and you end up with a different kind of society. That's the way they always portray it. Even the ones who are guiding the youth and causing the revolutions like Brzezinski. And I'll talk a little about, about that when I come back from this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix Just mentioning how some of the big players who are still alive today Who've been working through an agenda all of their lives in fact Like Brzezinski, the Kissingers And they write their own books Would have you believe that things just happen by unseen forces, by trends Trends that just build up in every generation And uh, uh, sort of snowball into a new type of society all by themselves and nothing, of course, is further from the truth because when you look at the, the books that they, and read through the books that they produce um, and compare them to the plans and goals of the same organizations which picked these guys up and trained them over a hundred years ago, these organizations were on the go, it's the same agenda. How they'd get to a planned society, how they get past a national uh, type of uh, societies across the world, how they would destroy, in fact, uh, nationalism altogether. And that's one of the reasons they actually chose to defend Soviet Russia against Nazism. In fact, when you read the books of the Council on Foreign Relations, the minutes of their meetings, even before World War II started, uh, the Melbourne, Australia meeting in 37, I think it was, the book published in 38 uh, from the Council on Foreign Relations, said that they'd have to save Russia at all costs. So what was Russia? Russia was for international socialism. And that's the key to everything, is this international socialism. It's seen by different groups, different classes, in different ways. Uh, the guy at the bottom thinks it's going to be a society of fairness where uh, you won't be just simply made unemployed and kicked off on the street. They, they really believe that's what it's all about, a fair, just society where their tax money somehow comes back to them in services. And, of course, that's how the ones above them sell it to them, the whole idea. But at the very top of it, if you go into the Fabian Society and all the specialist areas or branches of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, you'll find that eugenics and depopulation uh, and blatant racism was at the top of their list. They already had the different races that they said should not survive. Very old list, by the way, going back all the way to John Stuart Mill. Uh, and they said those races that could not adapt into the commercialized system would have to, in true Darwinian style, die off. They couldn't be allowed to bring down those who were further evolved in themselves. It hasn't changed at all, and it's done through perpetual revolution. Revolution through mainly universities, academia. Now, all university students, and we've all been young at one time or another, hopefully, 
then we, we've all had that ego where we think this is us, this is our time, and we're fed certain ideas and we run with them. We, d- we never stop to think who's feeding us these ideas for demonstrations or for quiet revolutions and that type of thing. Everything is fed to us. Nothing comes from our own heads. Even the music industry feeds us stuff too. We think it's just spontaneous out there so we can enjoy it. it. Nothing happens by chance in the world of big business. And big business that churns out ideas or music or plays or movies for young people is run by very old people. Old people write the stuff. Old people manage the direction where it's all to go. They manage the thoughts that are going to be in your heads. They manage your ideals. And so, as I say, getting back to the books by Brzezinski, Kissinger, and many other pe- uh, people, even Maurice Strong, these technocrats, as, as they're called by Professor Carl Quigley, uh, these guys would have you believe it all happens by itself, and it just happens to go along the same path as the organizations they belong to, and how and the same organizations wrote the path down over a hundred years ago, generation by generation, until they get to their ideal society. Now, once again, we're taught in history that everything happens by the strange strange forces that just sort of gather uh, willy-nilly and clash here and there, and out of that comes something new, the dialectic, if you will. But the true dialectic is run and, and managed in a scientific manner, according to Marx and Hegel, of course, where if you want change, what you're really after is where do we want to go from here? Where do we want to arrive? And so you you set out your thesis. That annoys people. They set up an opposition. That's the antithesis. And then out of the conflict, you get the synthesis. The synthesis was your goal in the first place. You just guide them to it through this little game that you play. And it's been like that for an awful, awful long time. Coincidence supposedly runs the world. No one foresaw the bank collapse no one foresaw all the banks going down. It was all, it came out the blue. It came out the blue, they said. And my God, we're all paying for it now. And we've got, and it hasn't hit us yet, by the way. All this so-called borrowed, strange, abstract thing called money by international money lenders. It hasn't hit us yet. But again, no one saw it coming. And yet back, I think it was in the early 90s, it was, uh, it was Greenspan who came out at that time and told the stock market guys to cool it. If everyone can remember that. It was all bubbles back then. And they did. But it was all a con in the first place because they admitted that the U.S. governments, that the Treasury Department, pumped money into the, the stock market every day to keep the top American companies up. So how could it be free competition when the governments, and they wouldn't be the only government, by the way, doing this, who are throwing money into it every day to keep their own corporations up there? It was never a free one. And then before the crash, what did they say four months before it? We're not pumping any more money into it. So it was guaranteed to fail. Guaranteed to fail. These guys are not taken by surprise. These guys work out investments a hundred years from now, what they expect to have and where they want to be. Even what kind of monetary system we'll have worldwide. They don't make mistakes like that. You don't make them. But again, at the bottom level, here we are. We're supposed to believe that everything is chance and coincidence and and the world's a scary place. That's what it is. It's a scary place. You never know what's going to happen. When 9-11 came along, we all tend to forget that of 
out of all the days of the year they could have had a practice for an attack on the World Trade Towers, it was that very, very day. And Rumsfeld and Cheney were in charge of it. We forget that. How could you possibly, in the law of averages and coincidences, pick that particular day when supposedly real jets were going to fly into it? FEMA arrived the day before. And then we had the 7-7 bombings in London. And lo and behold, uh, they were having practices that same day again. On that very day, the bombings did happen. In the very three places, the bombs, uh, the real bombs went off. And we swallowed that one as well, because we're told to, you see. And when you bring up conspiracy, oh, how preposterous, how, how crazy. You must be a conspiracy nut. These are the things that actually happen. And then we find out with, with Haiti, of course. And I wondered at the time, it's just how come all these guys were in Miami? All the guys that dealt with this Southcom. How come they were all there at the time? And then you find out, according to the media, uh, they were there for a rehearsal, for a practice on going to Haiti if a hurricane should hit it. No kidding. It's, it's astonishing. It's the same technique every darn time, and most of the public will swallow it because they're told to. Like Bertrand Russell said, they'll believe they're happy as well if the government tells them. But this article here is from NextGov, Technology and the Business of Government. And it's from the 15th of January 2010. It says, Defense launches online system to coordinate Haiti relief efforts by Bob Bruin. And when you scroll down, and it says here, On Monday, Jean DeMay, uh, the Defense Information Systems Agency's technical manager uh, and the agency's Transnational Information Sharing Cooperation Project, happened to be at the headquarters of the U.S. Southern Command in Miami, preparing for a test of the system in a scenario that involved providing relief to Haiti in the wake of a hurricane. After the, earth, the earthquake hit on Tuesday, Demay said, Southcom decided to go live with the system, so from a practice for a hurricane, so they went live. I wondered how they had all these ships ready. A, a good fleet was already there, ready to go on, on a practice catastrophe in Haiti. You see, so here they were, uh, same story again. It's un, it's un, I can't believe it. It ain't, it ain't a coincidence. Then it says, on Wednesday, DISA opened up its all-partners access network supported by the Transnational Information Sharing Cooperation Project to any organization supporting Haiti relief efforts. And then it goes on to other things to do with Haiti. It's not pushing conspiracy here. It's just telling you, uh, that was now the official story, that just happens uh, to have all that fleet ready to go in uh, on a practice, uh, a practice on the presumption that there could, there could be a, a, a hurricane hitting Haiti one day, one day. That's where the ships were there for a practice run, and we swallowed that. That go down in history, the official story. What else could it be? If, if it's anything else, you're a conspiracy nut, right? Amazing, that's amazing. And then we have in this other article here too. Uh, about Chavez. And I'll put these links up on my site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, at the end of the show. It says, um, Venezuelan leader Hugo Chavez Wednesday accused the United States of causing the destruction in Haiti by testing a tectonic weapon. 
to induce the catastrophic earthquake that hit the country last week. President Chavez said the U.S. was playing God by testing devices capable of creating echo-type catastrophes, the Spanish newspaper ABC quoted him as saying. A seven-point magnitude quake rattled the desperately poor country on January the 12th, killing an estimated 100,000 to 200,000 people. As Haiti looks to the world for basic sustenance, the authorities say the biggest dangers facing survivors are untreated wounds and rising disease. But there's more people getting in and in on this act, at least on, because we know they have the Treaty on Weather Warfare signed first at the United Nations about 1972 or 74 and have updated it back with more after this break. Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Discussing the amazing coincidences that happen in uh, our lifetimes and it's just one after another, isn't it? It's a scary place out there, but fortunately there's always government agencies uh, on hand at the the sites always ready to deal with any emergency. They're they're never there at any other time of the year. It's just those times of the year when practices are, are taking place, like I've just read here, to do with Haiti. But the Weather Warfare Treaty, as I say, was signed back in the 70s, first of all, early 70s, the very first one. They've updated it every couple of years since, I do believe. But they admitted in there, with the HARP technology alone, uh, the low-frequency pulsing, uh, ultra-low-frequency magnetic pulsing, they can. It actually said that the atomic bomb was obsolete in the treaty. It could devastate whole continents so fast, and they could cause hurricanes, tornadoes, drought, flood, whatever they wished, by the type of frequency they used. And they could also combine it with aerial spraying to intensify the harp effects. That's the Tesla technology that they talk about. It's old stuff, very old stuff. But they do have it. It has been tested. That's why they put it in a treaty, so that they wouldn't use it between different nations under the treaty. However, they can use it within their own countries on their own people. That's the same with all UN treaties. And you can also use it within the umbrella of the the nations which come under your domain, like the Caribbean, for instance. And um, they said they could cause earthquakes as well with it. Now, you don't write that into a treaty unless you can actually do it, you see. And other countries outside the U.S. actually have the capabilities. We, we live in La La Land. We live in a completely different reality from the Brzezinski's and the Kissingers. We really, really do at the bottom level. We see the effects of things. We have all the evidence pointing to certain uh, culprits, but we don't have the admission. That's always the way with conspiracy, as they say. In a court of law, you find someone guilty by the preponderance of evidence when everything points to them having done it. We always get to the same points, but we never get the admission, you see. And we have no power of prosecuting these guys in a trial to get to even that point, where at least the preponderance of law and evidence would put them away for life. At least... 
You can look up weather warfare yourself, and even on Wikipedia, they give you uh, dozens of links to different sites uh, dealing with it, or Google, I should say, as well. Now, the induction magnetometer is a device, uh, it's, it's, it's a, a time-frequency spectrogram, which shows the frequencies of contents of signals recorded by the HARP induction magnetometer. I'll, I'll put this site up for you to see. It's run out of Tokyo, uh, Tokyo I do believe. And they, they monitor this uh, ULF, ultra-low frequency uh, magnetic fields, in a specific range of frequencies. And they can actually tell when harps working. I, I've noticed it before. I've been sent uh, computer images from this particular university where harp has been used, and we've had... Um, Earthquakes in other countries at the time. What's interesting too is this time that Harp had been pulsing away for three days non-stop, and as soon as the earthquake was over, uh, it stopped. Harp stopped altogether, getting pulsed out of the different uh, places like Alaska. They, co- they coordinate a whole bunch of them together, triangulate them. They can have, have half a dozen across the world triangulating on one little area, by the way. But it all stopped right at the end of the earthquake. And I have the pictures of that, too, from the Tokyo University, from their induction magnetometer. I'll see if you can find that and put that up, too, on the site at the end of the show to show you how it's monitored. But again, that's another coincidence. Again, more evidence, but you won't get the admission. You never, ever will in this world. This is the real world. You'll never get admissions. How can they admit these things? Do you realize what we'd have to do what the world would have to do to the characters involved if you did get admission. I can remember when, when Bush, I think it was Bush Sr., said if the public knew what we'd done, they'd chase us down the street and lynch us. That was in the papers at the time. Remember that? But what, what if we got admissions, what, what was going on here? Supposing we got admissions, for instance, that they were crippling people, sterilizing people through inoculations, poisoning people through the foods intentionally to bring up the death rate. Supposing you got that in your hands, what would you do about it? How would you feel about that? Well, they know how you'd feel. And that's why they're never going to admit it, regardless of the evidence that for the rest of your life you keep pouring out there. It doesn't matter. They're in charge. Of course, it's all preposterous anyway, isn't it? Preposterous. Oh, how silly, how preposterous. Who would do such a thing? Here's an oddball, an oddball story here, and it's from the Telegraph in England. It says, from the, it says, Ministry of Defense orders, and here's your typical ridiculous headline as they hype something up. Bible guns for soldiers in Afghanistan. Says hundreds of gun sites ordered for British troops in Afghanistan are inscribed with coded biblical references. It has emerged. This is a mainstream newspaper, 19th of January 2010. And we're back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix Reading an article from The Telegraph From the 19th of January 2010 Talking about uh, an order of gun sites, I do believe it was For the British Army, from the US, a US firm And then inscribed with passages from the Bible and it says it was purchased from an American manufacturer which yesterday confirmed that markings carried on the same brand of sites used by U.S. Marines related to New Testament verses. Quite an odd thing to do, eh? You wonder if this is real or is it meant to turn this whole thing in Afghanistan into another holy war, another crusade, as, as Bush called it at the time. It says here, the codes include Jayen 8.12, that's John chapter 8, verse 12, and 2 Cor, that's 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verses 6, which point to passages from the books of John and 2 Corinthians, respectively. It says, The former states, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What an odd thing to say, and have it on a gun sight before you blow someone's head off. Eh? Some macabre kind of joke here. Yeah? Don't you think so? So the Ministry of Defense only announced its purchase of the Advanced Combat Optical Guides. That's the ACOG sites from Michigan-based firm Trigicon on Monday. They were ordered as an accessory for 400 new sharpshooter rifles due to go into service later this year. That'll be for sniping. Quentin Davis, the Defence Minister, praised the weapons for their highly precise long-range capability. A Ministry of Defence spokesman told the Daily Telegraph, we are not aware at the time of purchase that these markings had any broader significance. Our priority is to buy the best performing equipment available in the market. In this case, Trichicon were selected as they offered the best performing optical sites. We're now exploring with Trichicon how best to proceed. One option could be to cover up or remove the references which are printed in small letters between site's model number and made in the USA. News that U.S. soldiers serving in Iraq and Afghanistan were issued with weapons carrying Christian messages provoked an outcry from Muslims and secular campaigners. Well, no kidding. It's, it's quite the way to bring the gospel in, eh? Blasting people apart. The U.S. government has been at pains to keep religious language out of military affairs since George W. Bush infamously referred to the war against terror as a crusade in 2001. American troops are banned from proselytizing any faith while deployed in the two Islamic-majority countries. And the second passage that I've got stamped on the sites, it says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As I say, as they blow someone else's face off with it. Uh, sick, 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 that's all I can say about that. But then again, we live in a very, very sick world, don't we? Another article that ties in with... Uh, I've been going over the records of sterilization and the big movements were heavily funded by the foundations. I'll put this link up on my site as well in the end of the show. And it's from the University of Minnesota Libraries. It says, uh, it says um, the Association for Voluntary Sterilization Records uh, this is revised by David Klassen and Linnea M. Anderson, University of Minnesota Libraries. It shows you they kept changing their names 
Dumpty, voluntary sterilization. Now, voluntary also included the poor people who couldn't read or write or were termed mentally ill and were told, hey, sign this, and they just put their, their little scratch down there, and that was it done. But it's quite uh, an interesting little history there for you to peruse. Because believe you me, folks, the ones who are in charge of this world and do the dirty across the world also do the dirty within the countries they preside over. I don't say they belong to because they're internationalists. We've been run by internationalists for an awful long time. And that is the parallel governments. To bring in this new international society that did not evolve by itself over a long period of time. It's been forced into action with its resulting chaos in different parts of the globe. And it doesn't matter because the peasants of one country are the same as the peasants of another country. They don't care who's right or wrong or who clashes. You'll get treated the same way, and that's with tasers and whatever other weapons at their disposal. That's the facts of it. Now, we're all going under, and we have been under uh, Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century from the United Nations for a long time. That's also to push the, the rest of the folk who are still in the rural areas into the big uh, overcrowded cities. They don't want people in rural areas being uh, independent in any way whatsoever. Everyone in this brave new world must be completely dependent. That's what they mean by interdependent on the system in which they live for your food, clothing, heating, shelter, for everything. And eventually, by the end of the century, uh, you, you technically will own nothing anyway, and there will be no private property. But all this really came out in a big push at the first Rio Earth, Earth Summit, it's called, uh, hosted by Maurice Strong, the little leg boy for Rockefeller, and he works at the United Nations. And uh, they've had different updates to the Earth Summit ever since. Big, big players. It's a very important summit uh, that's coming up. The, the new one, 2012, just been announced. It says, towards a world summit on sustainable development. That means you too, folks. So you're part of sustainability. And they claim there's too many of you, way too many. They gave all the animals and insects rights, but in their treaties, there are no rights for human beings, by the way. And this is signed into law by every country that attends. It says, the United Nations General Assembly agreed to a new Earth Summit in December. The summit will be in 2012 and be hosted by Brazil. The themes are the green economy. We'll see it's all to go under this greening. Uh, your whole life, uh, your reason for being, will be under this green economy, as they call it, in the context of sustainable development and poverty eradication. That's where the ones who still have a few pennies to rub together must give it away to the charities that pretend to give it to the poor overseas. It says, Institutional Framework for Sustainable Development, Emerging Issues and a Review of Present Commitments. The site will keep you abreast of all the developments and latest news. It says, Since the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro in 92 and the World Summit on Sustainable Development in Johannesburg 2002, there has been a dramatic increase in threats to peace and security caused by social, environmental and economic crisis. No kidding. When we send armies off, you see, it's just social, environmental, and economic crisis. In light of the new and immense challenges faced by the Sustainable Development Agenda, it's an agenda, and they say that themselves, Stakeholder Forum was active from the beginning in supporting the call for a World Summit in 2012. So, as I say, keep tuned to, to these sites. They tell you where your life is going to go, uh, how you're going to live, 
who's going to rule over you and all the agencies that are going to dream up for you uh, to oversee you and everything that you do in the near and ongoing future. Because that's how we're really run today. We're post-democratic, remember. Post-democratic. Now, there's a couple of callers there. I'll, I'll try and grab them before I go on. There's Tom in Ohio. Are you there, Tom? Yeah, hi, Alan. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, well, this fellow, Kaczynski, um, who is the creator of this uh, uh, Manchurian candidate, President Obama, um, has over uh, has Gates, who's Secretary of Defense, would have missed him, or should be Secretary of Offense. But... Anyway, this morning or yesterday, you mentioned that the Al-Qaeda could cause a war between Pakistan and India. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, here we go. You know, he's encouraging a war between those two countries. And now who would back Pakistan? Probably China. And then who would back India? Russia. Well, this is Brzezinski's major plan. You know, have the warring cause a crisis another war mm-hmm. and um, you know I'd, I'd like to get your take on that and the, and the other thing Alan I like your take on like Engels dialectical materialism mm-hmm. there's a lot of truth in that you know it's used by the the enemy mm-hmm. uh, the major enemy as you know in their in their arguments uh, but I'd like to hear your comments about that thank you mm-hmm. okay well you're quite right with Brzezinski. Brzezinski's up on YouTube from the 70s, and you'll see him. I've got the link here. I'll try and get it, find it, and put it up again tonight. Where in the, thir- in the 70s, there he is uh, talking to the, to the Taliban's in Afghanistan, uh, telling them to go to war against the Russians. And he says, you'll hear him saying in his own words, he says, yours is a holy war. This is the same guy who knew they were going to use them to fight the Russians. He admits later on in his own books that um, he wanted Russia to be bogged down in a Vietnam scenario to exhaust them. But he also admits that they'd have to then go against the very organization, the Taliban's, which the CIA and the Pentagon helped set up in the first place. They'd be a problem down the road. So you're quite right. He's also the guy who wrote another book called uh, The Grand Chessboard. He sees the whole world as a chessboard where he uses one pawn against another for his own ends. And he boasts about it quite openly. He admits right now, in fact, that uh, he's got a hand in uh, bringing the regimes down across the world which aren't quite democratic yet. He admits that he is helping organize the, the revolts and revolutions from the students within inside Iran. So you're, you're dead on with that. And uh, this man sees the world as a playground. And he's untouchable because how could, see, unless you catch these guys in the act of doing something at the time, you have nothing. After the events, they boast about how they did it. And then they go and do it again. So you're quite right. Now, India is all on the side. They've been backed by the so-called uh, uh, democratic Western countries for a long time, even though India, um, you can hardly call them democratic in a sense. There's a, a very strong movement in there within the Hindu community which rules India, uh, which is akin to Nazism. And they've had mainstream BBC documentaries on them, uh, believing the superior types and all the rest of it, and everybody else, especially Muslims, are drumming up this right now, um, are inferior types. 
So uh, this technique's been used down through history. It's being used again to foment troubles in, in the region. And um, it's interesting, too, that even the heads of Pakistan have admitted that the CIA also had run uh, their top generals in Pakistan for years. So neither country has a chance when these guys, when the same boys are in charge of, of covert actions against both of them at the same time. For, generally for a goal which the general public will never fathom until it's over and done with. That's what geopolitics is. It's utterly covert and, and hidden from public view as to the real reasons and techniques that are being used. We just see the fallout, the killings, the drone bombs going in and killing people, but we never get the truth until it's all over. Remember, these same guys are doing the same thing within your own cultures, within your own countries, for their international goal of the future. But you're quite right. Um, there's also Dave from Arizona. Are you there, Dave? Hey, Alan. Yes. How are you? Not so bad at all. It's always good to talk to you. I just wanted to get your two cents on something. There's a very interesting show on Wednesday nights called Conspiracy Theory. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's very good. No, I've seen it, no. Uh, I guess the question I have is the kind of stuff they go into is HARP. They go into eugenics. They go into the flu shot scams, mm-hmm. mind control. Uh, Manchurian candidates. Yeah. Why would they want this information going out to millions that might not know about it? Mm-hmm. It's simple. It's very simple. See, the, uh, the people who would never inquire into anything for themselves, they say there's 87% of the public, they generally quote, uh, never question mainstream. And if mainstream calls people cooks, they will then call them cooks as well without even looking into any topic. Uh, so uh, when you put it out by... Um, by fictional episodes of drama coupled with emotion. It's called predictive programming, by the way. And everyone copies the heroes within it, etc. It's in the realm of, it's been presented as fantasy, pure fantasy, even though it is based on people's accusations and data to show you that conspiracies certainly do exist. Um, well, that, one of the things that's funny about that is that the show actually basically says that all these things are true. It will say that, but it's still presented in a, in a fictional manner. And what it causes within the person is, is cognitive dissonance, they call it, where you, you hold these two different opposing views, like double think in your head at the same time. And uh, it, when it ends up being entertainment, and if you follow any series that comes on, I don't know how long this one's been on, but follow it and you'll see how more and more ridiculous something will become. Uh, and crazy it'll become and in the mind of the person who's getting downloaded over a period of time then even the, the more real episodes become crazy to them when they think back on them they all get tarred with the same brush yeah. so basically they just use it to disprove it absolutely they understand human psychology so perfectly and they do work with uh, mainstream uh, writers, authors and movie makers and series makers for television yeah they do Awesome. Okay, thanks, Alan. Thanks for calling. Yeah, we've got to understand that there are incredible sciences behind this, and um, these guys really, really, as I say, know what they're doing. They know how to manipulate millions of people. They've been at this for an awful long time, awful long time. 
the cognitive, cognitive dissonance is where eventually you have opposing ideas in your head. You battle it in your head to a standstill until you just throw it all out into the air and say, I can't believe any of it, the real or the unreal. And so you're completely neutral on everything and you're guided by the people at the top. Here's an article here on, uh, from the Mail Online, by the way. Uh, it says, Girl 19 left battling blindness after taking Tamil flu. Remember the great saviour telling them what to take this stuff to prevent you getting the flu that never was? And it says, and she didn't even have the swine flu. 21st of January 2010. A teenage girl got left disabled by the swine flu treatment, Tamil flu, uh, but did not even have the virus it was revealed today. Samantha Millard, 19, became critically ill after suffering a severe allergic reaction to the tablets, which she took on the advice of the controversial National Health Service helpline. That's what they set up. The government set it up, and they told everybody to take Tamiflu. It says, within 72 hours of taking three pills, doctors put her on life support. Samantha spent a month in hospital after developing life-threatening Stevens-Johnson syndrome, which causes the skin to peel off. That's nice, isn't it? and later developed toxic epidermal necrolysis syndrome, which has damaged her sights. But tests at the hospital have since revealed that she never even contracted the swine flu virus. Her devastated mother, Debbie Van Hornbeek, is now seeking legal advice about the information given out by the National Health Service swine flu helpline. She believes that Tamiflu has not been tested thoroughly enough. Well, we already had dozens of reports from other countries with folk dying with this stuff, and children especially. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading an article about a young, one, one young girl, so I'm sure there's many of them who ended up disabled after taking Tamil flu, almost killed her. And it's, it's astonishing really because she didn't even have the swine flu. They were diagnosing everybody by telephone from the National Health Service, these hotlines are set up. Anybody with a sniffle, anybody with a bit of uh, hypochondria because they were terrified of all the media hype that was put out there. Everybody thought they were dying or something. And uh, they were stocking up and, and buying Tamil flu like crazy. And it, it already had a bad name in other countries before all this happened, such as Japan. They tested it on children there. It gave them uh, terrible problems, too, with their central nervous system and that kind of stuff. But getting back to the media, uh, I was asked to go on a show with uh, Jesse Ventura, I think it was. Um, at least I had the inquiry by uh, the directors, two of them, uh, months ago, and it was their particular show they wanted me on was about global warming. And I, I, I got the impression that they were after my feelings on it. Well, I didn't give them feelings. What I hit them with for an hour or more uh, was um, facts about uh, uh, quoted uh, facts from books that I have here from the Club of Rome and other big organizations working with the United Nations and how they would use uh, global warming um, as a, an excuse to unite the world under a new economic system and all the rest of it. And I, I quoted fact after fact after fact. At the end of the hour or so, 
I could re- I realized they didn't expect to have someone that had all the facts. They were after someone who would give more emotion and feelings than facts. And so they, they didn't bring me on the show. So remember, what they do put on the show isn't necessarily uh, what they could have put on the show. And that means there's a good reason they didn't want someone like myself coming on and presenting hard facts. And that's for the general population. So always remember that whatever you're shown on television, be it fact or fiction or however it's presented to you, uh, there's always another alternate ulterior reason behind the presentation. Now, it's a great article here too. I don't have much time, but I'll put it up on the website. It's called, Who's Afraid of the HPV Vaccine? And it's a study into the psychology of people by Dan Cahan, this great, uh, the guy who also knows um, uh, Sunstein. This is of Yale University. To find out how different groups perceive what governments uh, want them to do in different ways. And they're trying to find ways of getting around the opposition to inoculations, etc., and to find out how to get the right kind of experts, according to ethnicity, uh, um, class category, to to give out positive um, affirmations about whatever the government wants them to do, because you'll trust them more. And they show you how they go through these psychological studies to alter your perception on something, not the facts that they give you, not facts. They don't give you facts, but just to alter your perceptions, so as you will do what the government wants you to do. And it's, a, it's from the Fierce Biotech. That's an a in-house medical uh, magazine to show you how your minds are warped and twisted even to make you take vaccines by giving you someone that you'll trust to tell you it's okay. The right kind of experts who won't give you facts, just you'll like them more. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.